Praise the Lord, saints. I greet you in the name of Jesus. All you streamers out there, welcome. We enjoy having you with us. I'm going to share something with you that's been on my heart for about a week or so. And uh, I want to open with um, a piece of scripture. I'm going to read from the, uh, the book of Mark. Mark 9. Verse 17. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away, and spake unto the disciples that they should cast him out, and they, should, and they could not. I'd like to drop down to uh, verse 22. And so Jesus has asked them a question. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then I'd like to drop down to verse 29. And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. For the past uh, year, uh, my, uh, my partner, uh, working on, on outreach, and I have been um, focused upon trying to get ourselves into a community center in town. We go to different places and we walk the streets and we try to figure out where the Lord wants us to be. We've gone into different communities and um, for a year we came up empty. The goal was to try and establish some Bible studies and try and invest into that community. An opportunity um, came our way on Friday of last week. An opportunity we never saw coming. So it's been in development for probably a couple of weeks now. And so on Friday, I um, had the opportunity to visit um, a facility that is right down the street. It, we could walk. And... Um, they work with people who have mental health needs. And um, this place is, uh, one of the things that I've learned is that um, there are um, levels of care. And this place is the highest level of care before completely independent. There are, there are clients there who have jobs. There are clients there that um, live alone. There are clients there that have cars and do whatever they do, but... There are some that don't. And so um, one of the things that we do know, we had some ladies, some, some ladies from the church, professionals, who talked to us about mental health. And uh, one of the things that I think was mentioned, but I'm going to reiterate it today, is um, mental health needs, mental health concerns are often at least 50% of those who struggle there. Um, have a codependence. They, they have another thing. Sometimes it's uh, uh, 
a physical issue. Sometimes it is um, substance abuse, whatever that is. So um, when I was told I was going to speak here uh, and, and open in prayer today, um, Pastor last week said this is the last time, maybe, we'll see whether or not this is the last one for disciple making. Um, I think that we'll have more of them. There's such a big topic, right? Anyway, um, we're going to this facility to share the gospel. They have uh, a, a day there. Uh, uh, every Friday is called Freedom Friday. Freedom Friday. And so um, we're going to go and we're going to actually share the gospel. That's what we're going there to do. And um, they wanted to come up with a name. And this is the name that came to me. I, the Lord gave me this name. It's a, it's a name you'll know because it's a street. Friday from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock is going to be Liberty Corner. We're going to be able to do something there and make disciples. Unusual disciples, but nonetheless, God's children. And we're going to be able to do that. So um, I open in today by saying this. Pray with me about what we as a, as a congregation will be able to do there. Because there's already a possibility that they'll, they'll come here. They want to come to church. We've already had those conversations. Uh, Isaiah had a meeting two weeks before me, and then I did, had a meeting on Friday. And uh, we're going to open some doors that uh, haven't been opened um, uh, for them. Pray with me. Almighty Father, Lord and King, we are so grateful, Lord God, for the goodness that you are. We are so humbled, Lord God, that you allow us to be involved in the things that we are, Lord God. You formed us, Lord God, out of dust. Out of the clay, Lord God, you made us into the vessels that you use, Lord God. Before there was dust, Lord God, there was nothing, Lord God. You took nothing, Lord God, and you made it into all of the creation that you've placed us inside of, Lord. We are so humbled, Lord God, that you include us in the work that is here on earth, Lord God. That we have the opportunity, Lord God, to be part of the kingdom plan that you have designed, Lord. You are the righteous and holy one, Father. You are the Lord God Almighty. And we bow before you this evening, Lord God, eager, Lord God, that you will pour your word into us, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that our ears are open to hear, Father God, that our hearts are prepared, Lord God, for the word that will be shared here this evening, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to fill, Lord God, the shepherd that you've given us, Father, the man of God who will present your word with all that you have for him to to include, Lord God, in the conversation that we will have this evening, Lord God. Fill us, Lord God, with an understanding that will be needed, Lord God, in the days ahead. Grant us, Lord God, the opportunity, Father God, to have the knowledge, Lord God, and the wisdom, Lord God, that will be needed, Lord God, for those that you will draw here, Lord God. Oh, we are so grateful, Father, that you would use us in the way that you do, Father. We are so humbled, Lord God, that you would give us, each and every one of us, Lord God, the opportunity, Father God, to, to share your word, Lord God, with those that have never heard it before, Lord God. Almighty Father, Lord and King, righteous and holy one, 
You, Father God, have declared, Lord God, that these hands and these feet, Lord God, all that are here, Lord God, would be involved, Lord God, in leading, Lord God, those that have never met you. You have such a hunger, Lord God, for the widows, Lord God, for the fatherless, Lord, and all that don't have you present in their life, Lord God, are fatherless, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be able to do your work, to do your will. Let our hearts be open, Lord God, to receive what you have this evening for us. Let each and every one of us, Father God, be available, God, that our hearts, Lord God, would be filled with all that you have for us, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray, Lord, in the days that are before us, Lord God, that you will embolden us. Give us courage, Lord God. Fill us, Lord God, with the burden that is needed, Lord God, to reach out into this mission field, Lord God, into this community, Lord God, right here down the street, Lord God, where we might be difference makers for you. We pray all that we speak this evening, Lord God, with a humble heart and an eager spirit, Lord God. Allow us, Lord Jesus, to be able to worship and praise you this evening, Lord God, in the manner in which you deserve. All glory is from you, Lord God. All wisdom is from you, Father God. And we pray these things in the mighty God, mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Lift up the name of Jesus. We know that the presence hallelujah. of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, praise and worship team. <laughs> God is so good. It's always so good to be in the house of the Lord. It's not just a cliche. I just don't say it because it sounds good. But I say it because I believe it. And no matter what's going on in our lives, if we can just make it in the house of the Lord, everything just feels better. Whether the circumstances change or they don't change, you come in the house of God and you just feel like, I feel better. And I love to be in the house of the Lord. Love to be with the people of God. And as I like to say, we're going to spend eternity together if you plan to be in heaven. So we better enjoy being together. Amen. I'll walk over to your mansion, no matter how big it is. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody. We had a great weekend this past weekend. We had a great weekend, and as I mentioned to the leadership last night, I thank all of you for being a part of this church, for all that you do in this church. All of you are significant. We are the only ones that try to sometimes act like every person is not significant. In God's eye, we're all significant. God don't love me more than he love you. <laughs> no amen? God doesn't play favoritism. Now he's as good. So he's so good that he make you think he's, you are his favorite. But everybody feels like they're God's favorite. And that's some of the goodness of God that we would never, ever understand. That the goodness of God sometimes leave us all feel, leave it, feeling special. God loves me more than he loves you. And it's not true. He loves us all the same. And so we thank God for his goodness. Amen. We thank God for what he did this weekend. Can you all leave me alone? I'm up here talking and they're in the back telling me, wipe my face. Because they're always worried about camera, how everything look on the camera. You all going to get in trouble one of these days. Because I'm not worried about how I look on the camera. I'm worried about the words that they're hearing on the camera. Alright? So we're not always going to get our camera view and angles like we like them. Sorry to tell you that. So, they thought I didn't have no rag because I wouldn't wipe my face. I'm talking to the people of God. My Lord. Anyway. We've been talking about making disciples for 10 weeks. 10 weeks. I told you tonight would be the final uh, lesson on the series. And tonight I've tied 
11 and 12 together. So altogether, we will have completed 12 lessons in making disciples. Tonight, we will talk more about practical application for making disciples. But I've kind of theme tonight as where do we go from here? We've talked about it for 10 weeks. There's a lot, lot that's been said, and I don't know what you've picked up, what you've taken notes on, and what you're pondering, but we will finish up tonight with giving you, with giving you tangible ways to make disciples. And so I pray to God that we will start making disciples. Don't underestimate yourself. Uh, I thought about how many men and women of God, God has used that couldn't even read. They couldn't even read. I hear about people that are blind that God is using. So before you begin to think that you just don't know enough scripture, before you start telling yourself that you don't know how to pronounce all the words in the Bible, I'm here to tell you, you can make a disciple. If you set your heart to it and you pray and say, God, I want to be a disciple maker, God will use you to make a disciple. And so we have covered a lot of angles and talked about a lot of different things about making disciples. And so tonight, we will just see where we go from here now. We'll start where we left off or where we uh, picked up from the very first lesson. And we'll start there again tonight as we close out our series in Matthew 28, verse number 19. The scripture says, go. Somebody say go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father. What's the name of the Father? And the name of the Son. What's the name of the Son? And of the Holy Ghost. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? So we baptize people not in the titles, but in the name, as this scripture said, that we must go and baptize all nations in the name. There's only one name. And if you read that uh, those scriptures clearly, you will see that the word name is singular. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We'll, we'll, we'll close out with that same text, or maybe, yeah, but what I've noticed in scripture quite a bit, you can find this in Matthew chapter 16 as well, 15 through 20. What you will notice is this. When we go and do what God wants us to do, what God commands us to do, that's where we see the power of God show up the most. A lot of times we want God's power to show up in our services, our church services, but the question we can ask ourselves is why? Why do we want God's power to show up in our church services? Now, I'm not telling you we should not want 
God's power to show up in our church services. But why? Do you know why? Is it just so we can say the power of God showed up? Is it just so we can feel the touch of God? Is it just so we can say, I'm healed because God touched me and healed me? Why do we want the power of God to show up in our church services? But I can tell you this, when I'm beginning to make disciple of someone that is lost and I'm trying to help them know who Christ is, I need God's power to show up. And God needs his power to show up to help them because they can't become a disciple on their own. They cannot become a disciple just by me or you teaching them. We need God to help out with that situation. So if you want to see God's power move, make disciples. Father, we thank you for your word and for the gathering of your people. We've come together another Wednesday night, Lord, to study your word, to be equipped, and to be prepared, ready, Lord God, to take this gospel forward and to do what you want us to do. I pray that the word of God will truly go into the hearts of your people. You will allow me to speak as your oracle, and that before we leave out of this place tonight, Lord God, your perfect will will be done in us, and all that we've heard about making disciples, we will go and make disciples. We ask you these things in Jesus' name. Can everyone say amen? Amen. amen. Thank you for standing and reading. You may be seated. In Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, the text says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. It's important to the Lord that whatever we learn, we pass it on. Okay, three people. The ministry is not something we get for ourselves. God didn't save us just for us. And we've said that many times. And the proof is if God saved you just for you, you would already be in heaven. Because there is no need if I'm saved and that's all God wants to do in my life that I should still be here. But because God did not save me just for myself, I'm still here, you're still here. So we didn't get saved just for ourselves and to keep the ministry and the word of God to ourselves. We are stewards, somebody say stewards, of the spiritual treasure God has given us. It is our responsibility to guard the deposit made in us, and then invest it in the lives of others. They, in turn, are to share the word with the others. And so this needs to be perpetual. It comes to us. We give it to someone else. Have you ever stopped? Let's just stop now and do it. How did you get saved? Why did you think you get saved? Did you think you just got saved? How you think you got saved? Did you think that because God just loved you, got saved? You don't think somebody prayed for you? Didn't somebody invest in you? Didn't somebody 
just kind of helped you along the way? How did every one of us here tonight get saved? We didn't get saved on our own. We didn't wake up one day and just say, we're going to get saved, and no prayers were prayed for us, and nobody helped us, and nobody spoke a word into our life, and no preacher preached to us. That's not how we got, we, we didn't get saved without all of that. We got saved because somebody was praying. We got saved because somebody along the way helped us. We got saved because somebody invested in us by teaching us the word of God. We're not saved just on our own strength. And so we will stop there for a minute and ponder that. We will realize, man, somebody did that and I'm able today to experience what I'm experiencing. I'm able today to say God is good. I'm able today to go into the house of the Lord and to worship worship him and praise him because somebody helped me along the way that I got saved, that I'm at this place today. And so the question is, Will we do the same for somebody else? One of the best ways to measure your spiritual maturity and growth is ask yourself, what have I been doing or what did I do with what I have learned? Remember what I said a couple weeks ago. We got our diploma. We got our degree because we were tested on what we learned and we proved that we learned it by passing the test. That's how we got diplomas. That's how we got degrees. So the question now is, how do you know you are maturing, you're growing, and you're learning as a child of God? We can't really know if we have retained what we're learning until we start to model it and we start to teach it ourselves. That's how we know if we are learning. That's how we know if we are growing. Because we have retained it and we are, we are living it. We are, we're exemplifying what we have received and we're able to teach it that someone else could understand what's going on with us. The church has an unprecedented opportunity to provide the word of God to people today who don't know Christ. It's an opportunity. You know what I heard today? I heard someone said, when we used to work at such and such place, the bosses used to tell us, We better do everything in our power to act like we're enjoying our job. Because if they think you're enjoying your job, this product grows. And I will not come off of this. Until us Christians live like this is the best thing. Not say it's the best thing, but until we live this Christian life like it's the best thing that ever happened to me, it's going to be hard to attract lost people to want to know about this. We hear all the time, so many hypocrites in the church. They don't have any incentives to try the church by watching us. They don't have that incentive because what's the difference between you and them? You just coming around and making them feel less than because 
You know, you go to church and you're saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled. And so when you get around them, they feel more, uh, you know, like, you know, you're, you're looking down on them as opposed to trying to pick them up. Many of the potential disciples in our society do not have the advantage of having been raised in a nuclear family with a biblical worldview. You know by now that our world just matters. Respect is gone out the door. It's gone out the door. And hear me good on this one. Some of it may be because we're not teaching the young ones the manners. But hold on, that might not be the main reason why. The main reason why might be, are we modeling respect for them to see it? We're visual people like never before. And, and it's one thing to tell people about what they need to do, about what's right. Boy, it's a whole different ball game when you're living it and they're watching you live it. When you're living it and they're watching you live it, if you ever get to the place where you feel comfortable because you feel the prompting of the Spirit to go and talk to somebody, they will receive it with gladness because they was checking you out already from afar because you were living it. You weren't just talking about it. While disciple-making requires us to know the gospel and teach the gospel, disciple-making may also involve more than just presenting the gospel and godly living. This disciple-making thing is no joke. And maybe it's why we are so reluctant to just go all in. Because it's more than just telling somebody about the gospel. People in today's culture often need up-close models of decency. They need people that demonstrate honesty. They need people who demonstrate, watch this, a strong work ethic. <laughs> and they need people who demonstrate people skill, not just give you the gospel. Do we have people skills that we're demonstrating? Do we have strong work ethics? Are we honest? Do we model just common decency as Christians? Because that's part of what's going to get them to buy into who you are. And should they allow you to tell them something good about Christ? People scope you out before you scope them out a lot of times. Especially us Christians. Because... Us Christians, we don't pay attention to nothing because we know I got the truth. I'm living for God. I'm born again. I prayed this morning. I read my Bible. I'm going to church the next time we have church, so I'm not worried about nothing. I had a good time with my boy, Jimmy Tony, this weekend. <laughs> we got a lot in common. And... Um, we are good for just sitting around and just watching people. Watching. He said that to me. He says, you know, I love to watch people. I love to watch them. I listen to what they say and what they don't say. And I smile because part of it is 
we call ourselves church planters, as they like to say. And if you're going to reach people, that's what you have to do. That's where that comes in. That's why I smile about it when he say, man, I'm watching and I'm listening. I'm not just listening to what they say, because sometimes what you don't say is louder than what you say. <laughs> and so if you're going to get into reaching people, that's, you got to watch people. You got to listen to people. We can't just be making it all about ourselves and how our life is and, you know, the day-to-day things that we have to deal with. We will never be able to effectively reach people. Remember when Jesus met the woman at the well? He went out of his way. To be a disciple maker, you have to go out of your way. And I would venture to say, you go out of your way enough that becomes your way of life of going out the way. So now it's no longer challenging to you because that's just how you live, going out your way. What does disciple making look like in a practical sense on a personal level? Jesus was up close and personal with the 12 and was continually with them training teaching, demonstrating, and then observing them do ministry. His method of disciple-making was he did it and they watched. Then they did it and he watched. And then they did it. He was sure that he would, that we would be all right, that when he ascended to heaven, he knew those 12 that I trained, the world is in good hands. Can you imagine? He trained the 12, and it just went on from there. The 12 reached others, and those others reached others. And he knew when he ascended to heaven, they would be fine. The word will continue to spread. But he trained them thoroughly. And so for us, we, if we're going to make disciples, we have to get up close and personal, just like the Lord Jesus did with whoever he leads us to, to make a disciple of. All of us should include in our prayers every day, Lord, lead me to somebody that you want me to disciple. They might be not saved, not living for God, don't know anything about God. But keep praying the prayers. Lord, lead me to somebody that you want me to disciple. I know, Lord, you have people out there that you are ready to save. Will you lead me to those people or to that individual so I can befriend them and start the process to make a disciple of them? A disciple of Jesus Christ. We have to model a Christ-like lifestyle in our daily living if we're going to make disciples. We need to bring along the potential disciple with us that they can observe what we do. We must train and teach as they observe us. Then we must give them a chance to do what they observe and train and teach as you observe them doing what you taught them. Very important. And so, our challenge today, probably as much as I've been saying it, and some of you have thought it in your mind, you're looking at your life, how busy you are. 
and you're trying to figure out how in the world would I be able to disciple somebody? How in the world? I said this a few weeks back and more than once probably. You have to go to God and ask him to rearrange your life that you can do it. Rearrange my life so I can do it. Listen, it's not a coincidence that I have the job that I have. Not bragging, not trying to make you feel bad. (laughs) But it's not a coincidence that I have the job that I have. From the day I got that job, probably even before the Lord knows it, from the day I got that job, I was taking lunch breaks to go to the hospitals and pray. From the day I got that job, I was taking lunch breaks to go downtown Trenton and pass out uh, tracts. From the day I got that job, I was taking people to the church to baptize them on my lunch and go back to work. I had a desire to see people be saved. And sure enough, God just kept opening the door that I was able to be flexible on my job. So for some of us that feel like we're busy and we don't have the time, get serious about wanting to make disciples and see what God will do with your life. He will, he will change it up for you. But the question is, do you want that? Do you want him to change up your life and, and make it different so you can be more flexible to do God's work? Or you're just set in your ways now when you're like, ah, I don't know about all that, Jesus. And so you just want to keep on doing what you're doing and tell pastor, I hear you, pastor, but that's just not even realistic. Programs and ministries in the church versus disciple making. Most churches, including this one, we have ministries, we have programs that we do, and that's great. But we have to figure out, and this is what this lesson will be about as we get to the ending of it, we have to figure out how to make sure everything we do in this church incorporates making disciples. There should never be a ministry in this church that does not function thinking and figuring how to make a disciple in what you do. If you if you're on the kitchen ministry, our kitchen ministry haven't haven't burst on the scene real good yet, but just say you're on the kitchen ministry, we might think, well being on the kitchen ministry, what am I gonna do? If you will be kind enough and sweet enough and you will be courteous enough, somebody will eye you and want to talk to you because they're going to say, I admire how you just do what you do. Because that's all you're looking for. You're looking for someone to just admire what you do because you do it with such love and kindness and you do it with such commitment and dedication and they're watching from afar off. So it doesn't matter what the ministry is, if we have in the back of our mind or in the front of our mind that I have to do this because this will open the door to me reaching someone and making a disciple. The local church ministries and disciple making are not in competition, but are complementary. So whatever ministry we are involved in, 
when you hear me talk about disciple making, we're not coming to clash ministry and disciple making. We're not asking for them to clash. We're saying they need to complement one another. It is not a either or, but it's both and partnership. So ministry and disciple making needs to be in partnership. Mm -hmm. Since the vision of this church incorporates reaching our local communities with the gospel, then every ministry leader should have his or her heart a desire, have in their heart a desire to make disciples through their ministry. There should not be a ministry that you are overseeing that somehow you don't have in your heart a way to make disciples through that ministry. Mm -hmm. Every ministry must have some component of disciple making. So just think about the ministry you're involved in and start to ask yourself, how would that work, me making disciple, the disciples in that ministry? Keep pondering it. This is the main business of the church, making disciples. Every ministry in the local church must have the overarching purpose of making disciples. If there are any ministry in the church that is not about reaching the lost, making disciples, or affecting spiritual transformation, we should consider stop doing that ministry. We have to start making disciples and testify about what's happening in our efforts to make disciples. We need to talk about our efforts in making disciples. And we need to celebrate what we're seeing as we're making disciples. Because what gets celebrated gets repeated. If we start to do it and stop, stop, start to talk about it, we will see it more re begin to re get repeated. We're not in competition. We cannot make this a competition, but we need to talk about it. We need to talk about how God is working in somebody's life that you're helping to become a disciple. So here are, here are some action items that I've listed here that we need to consider as we uh, move forward in our disciple making. Whenever someone gets baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we need to assign a disciple maker to them. Which means I'm prompted to say, as I mentioned to our leaders last night, we need to establish an in-reach ministry in this church. And we will. What is the in-reach ministry? The in-reach ministry is to reach the people that are inside the house of God that are not yet disciples. That's the in-reach ministry. We need to reach the people that comes every week to these services and make disciples of them. So whether it's someone that's getting baptized or someone that we've been seeing coming frequently, if they're not a disciple, 
If they're not making a disciple, then we ought to be making them a disciple. It's just that clear. If they're not making a disciple, then we need to be making them a disciple. Because disciples are supposed to begat disciples. So if you're not making a disciple, then we need to make you a disciple. Because if you become a disciple, then you will make a disciple. So no respect of persons. We don't care how long they've been in the church. If you notice someone is not making a disciple, then we ought to just come alongside them. We don't have to tell them what we're doing. We will have some training on that. I am going to do a meeting as we launch our inreach ministry. I'm going to do a meeting, a training uh, meeting on Saturday. August the 5th at 9 a.m. after our prayer breakfast, I will do a meeting that Saturday and start and kick off the, the, the training for that inreach ministry and get it rolling. We need to um, make sure we have uh, great administrative um, documentation going because we need to know who are teaching Bible studies. We need to know who's assigned to who. We have to do those kind of things. It's unfortunate. Um, but it's just the way it is. But if we're serious about disciples making, these are the things that we're going to have to do. We can't just, you know, what we like to do sometimes, I got to tell you this. What we do a lot of times, many of us, we hope for things without putting the work into it. We hope for things without putting the effort into it. We, we want to see things done but we're saying, I don't want to overstep my bounds. You can't get what you don't put out. They taught us as preachers, you get what you preach. So we learned that. That's preaching 101. Whatever you're going to preach, preacher, that's what's going to happen. So for all of us, whatever you do or don't do, that's what's going to come back to you. And so if we don't put the effort into making disciples, we won't make disciples. It's good to have a good theory. It's good to talk about stuff among ourselves. But until we start doing it, it doesn't matter. We have to start making disciples. Can I just throw this in real quick? The children are not exempt from that. The children are not exempt I'm going to venture out and say this to you, because I, I read something um, in, in Brother Gleason's book, which is what I've been using to teach about this, and I know for myself, Brother Gleason said, when he started this, the very first person the Lord told him to disciple was his son. And his son was about 12 years old. So I'm telling you, don't overlook the children. That's probably where the Lord wants us to start. So we don't lose them, and if we will make disciples of them, then whatever is coming behind them is going to be all right because we're, we're doing the right thing with them, and they will know in turn what to do with others. But sometimes our children want to minister or want to tell people about Christ. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say because how much did we put in them? 
They know churches, God is real. They know church is great. They know people in church love, love people, and they know all these things. But to communicate the love of God, to teach people the word of God, they weren't discipled, so they can't do it. And that's why sometimes our young people, I told our young adults, that was the reason why our organization started this um, group called Hyphen Group. Because our children were growing up, and when they started getting to high school age, to college age, they stopped being interested in the church. And they stopped being interested in the church because we didn't do anything to make them interested in the church. I've been saying for the longest, it's okay to have our children be an assistant Sunday school teachers at 10 years old and 11 years old and 12. They have to start learning it early. They were raised up in the church, so why not start earlier than those of us that weren't raised up in the church? They can do it. You have no clue what goes into their brain and how they understand things. If we will take the time to just minister to them and help them, I'm telling you, our children can grow up and they will own this stuff. And they won't come to church at 21 because their parents say you need to still keep coming to church as long as you live in my house. I don't want that. I want the kids to grow up and get their hoopty. Well, in Mariah's situation, not a hoopty, but you know what I'm saying? Some people, you know, some people can do hoopty. But I want them to grow up and get their little car and say, Mom, I don't know about you, but I got to get to church because I got to be on my post. Mom, I got to get to church because I got to do blah, 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 instead of waiting around miserable, waiting for Mom to take them to church and they really don't want to go because we never discipled them. That's how we lose them, because we don't disciple them. Disciple making on our service days, or let me say it this way, our greatest potential to make disciples are on the days we have church service. Wednesdays and Sundays are the best days to have an opportunity to make disciples, because the people are already in the house. Ready for this? I've been saying for the longest, boy, I wish we can get some more people working in the, in, in the parking lot. The park, yeah. Listen, the parking lot is probably the most fertile ground to in, engage in disciple making. Quiet. Because nobody want to go in the parking lot. They think about heat. They think about rain. They think about cold. I hear you. But... You have to start asking yourself, am I serious about this disciple-making thing? Am I serious about it? Because that parking lot, my, especially where we are, all those people that go next door, that sometimes use our parking lot. <laughs> we have great opportunities to meet people, to befriend people, and to begin to make them a disciple. But it's how badly do we want to do it. How badly do we want to do it? And so the parking lot is lit when it comes down to having an opportunity here. And then when people leave the parking lot and they come to the doors to meet the greeters, here's another opportunity. Then when they leave the, the, the greeters, they hit the ushers, another opportunity. Then when they come into here where they're meeting all of you, more opportunity. 
we have to be good at this thing. We can't sound pushy, but we can't just lay back. We can't force people, force nothing down people's throat, but we still cannot be laid back. And this is why we probably struggle to make disciples because we only know one way, and that is I got to tell them. And we don't know how to just drop some breadcrumbs. And the first breadcrumb that we need to drop is to be so happy and excited about who you are in Christ that that alone is attractive. Did you know that? Let me just go, take a, a, a hard left. Ladies. Ladies. Inside. I'm a man. If you don't think you sexy, you ain't sexy. Okay. If you just think you ordinary, so does the men. Okay. What makes a woman attractive is her confidence. What makes a woman stand out to a man is how she carry herself. Confidence. She know what she is. She got something going on. Same thing with a man. Same, that's the same thing a woman look for a man. She don't want no man that don't look like he know where he going. So we are attracted to people that, that know who they are and carry themselves that way. So why do we not carry ourselves that way as Christians? If we don't do it, people will not want to know what we're all about and what this is all about. We only want people, we're, we're only selling people healing. We're only selling people get saved. And the thing about it is, both of those could be a long process. But that's what we're selling them. And so when it don't happen, we can't find them. We haven't sold them the life of Christianity, of being Christ-like. We haven't, we, that's not what we're promoting. That's not what we're showing them so, so, so they can say, man, I want that. We're not sharing our testimony of what God has done for us. If we will do those things and be confident in who we are, we'll get people to start asking, asking us questions. How long have you been going to this church? How long have you been living for God? Why do you always seem to have a smile on your face? Why do you seem to just, like you don't just let a whole lot of stuff bother you? Uh-oh, I don't think I was that. Why are we letting a lot of stuff bother us? We're Christians. Why are we let stuff bother us so much? And then we come to church and sing, God is in control. God is in control. I don't get it, Josiah. We walk around like we worry about everything. Then we come and sing, God is in control. What am I missing? Oof. We have to take advantage of the opportunity that God has given us to make disciples. And remember what I've always said about making disciples. It's probably the most legitimate way for you to stay saved and make it to heaven. You do it some other way, and you're going to be on a roller coaster. Trying to live for God without being a disciple maker, you become a ro- your life become a roller coaster. 
because all you're trying to do is to maintain how to stay a Christian till you die or till Jesus come. I don't want to go to hell. And all we're trying to do is maintain a life to make sure we don't go to hell. That's a roller coaster life. You're up and you're down. Depending on what's going on, you're up and you're down. But when you're making disciples, man, you're just always locked in on what God is doing. What God is doing. Man, I was sharing with so-and-so what God said. And, man, I watched what God did in their life. And you're not up and down. Because every day you wake up, you realize, I have to share God's goodness with somebody. I can't be sharing God's goodness all, you know, not happy about it and not being convinced that God is good. So every day you wake up, you're excited because you're getting ready to share God's goodness with somebody else. If we will live like that, we will really draw a lot of people. The other thing that I want to do that is action item that's the action item, is every one of us in this church that consider ourselves a disciple of Jesus Christ should know how to teach a Bible study. We belong to a great organization. Some say it's the best apostolic organization in the world, and it very well could be. And one of the things that I love about it is we have, I don't know, we have so many different uh, Bible study programs that we can teach. We have Bible study in a brown brown paper bag. We have, you know, uh, you know, just so many different Bible studies that you will find one that you feel comfortable with to teach. But we need to learn how to teach Bible studies. None of us that consider ourselves a disciple of Christ should not be able to teach a Bible study. And so I will schedule the date or dates to start teaching you how to teach Bible study because we need to learn how to teach a Bible study. The Bible study can be taught virtually. You can sit right in your own home, your bedroom, wherever you want to sit and teach it. You can do it virtually. You can do it at one of the coffee shops. You can do it in a restaurant. You can do it at somebody else's house. You can do it, you can do it any place. We need to be teaching Bible studies. And so if you don't know how to teach a Bible study, I will start classes up to show you how to teach a Bible study. And so we open up with the text in Matthew 28, 19. The Greek verb translated go is actually not a command, but a present participle, meaning going. The only command in the entire, what we call the Great Commission, that's, that's, what, that, that's what we call that text in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We call it the Great Commission. The only uh, commission in the Great Commandment is to go make disciples. When it says go and teach, that word go and teach means go and make disciples. While you are going, make disciples of all nations. No matter where we are, we should be witnesses for Jesus Christ and to seek to win others to him and make disciples of those who have been converted. It's not enough. <laughs> I remember back in the day. That's my soul. 
Somebody invites somebody to church. They repent of their sins. They get baptized in Jesus' name, get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We said, that's my soul. I brought them. And unfortunately, we never discipled them. How many people we know today that started out this race and started it out, man, ferociously. They was, we just knew they was going to be living for God forever. And now we don't know where they are. And I guarantee you the common denominator with that will always be they were never really discipled. That's the common denominator. They were never really discipled. And so no matter how excited they get, it doesn't matter how much they're excited when they get filled with the Holy Ghost or when they get baptized. Man, you hear me say it many times. The journey has just began. When you get born again of the water of the Spirit, you're just starting out. You need to be discipled. And a lot of people are in church today. I don't even want you to raise your hand that you're considered a seasoned Christian and you never got discipled. Which keeps you in a certain place. Acts chapter 11, I close with this. Acts chapter 11, verse 19 says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Here we go again. The hand of the Lord is with them because they were doing what God told them to go and make disciples. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. The term disciples was the most popular name for the early believers. Being a disciple meant more than being a convert or a church member. My, 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 we've come a long way. I'm a believer. I go to church. Nobody will dare utter I'm a disciple today. Don't want the responsibility. Because a disciple says a whole lot more than a convert. A disciple says a whole lot more than I'm a member of a church. Apprentice might be an equivalent term. A disciple attached himself or herself to a teacher, identified with him, learned from him, and lived with him. Well, we might not have people living with us that we're discipling, but. He also, or she also, learned not simply by listening, but also by doing. Our Lord called 12 disciples and taught them so that they might be able to teach others. I cannot say it enough. We have to be able to teach others what we say we know. We can't say we know, but we're not teaching it. We have to teach what we know. However that is, I heard Pastor Emery said years ago, and it was something that I was able to say, yeah, preach. Um, because he was saying, and we, we did this for many years, if you really need a platform, 
to teach and to preach. They will never turn you back from the prisons or the nursing homes. Heard Emory preach that many years. Find yourself a place in the prison or in the nursing home and go teach those people. Know why we don't want to do that? Those people can't tell nobody what you're doing. Uh, you go to prison, ain't nobody telling you. And nobody talking about what you're doing in the prison. Who knows? Because they locked up. <laughs> Who are they talking to? They're in the jail. And you go to the nursing home, most of them usually are in a wheelchair. Can't do anything. And when you're ministering to them, their families are not even there. So they don't know. So we have opportunities to go and share what we say we know. The question is, do we want to go to specific places? Do we want to go talk to specific people? Or do we just want to share the gospel with any soul? Just as long as they become receptive to it. Just as long as they want it. We're just going to teach it. A disciple then is one who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ through faith, repented of sins, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. He or she remains in the fellowship of the body of Christ that he or she might be taught the truth of the faith. He or she is then able to go out and win others and disciple them. This was and still is the pattern of the New Testament church. To go be a witness. Go and seek to save the lost. Be a witness and make disciples. This is the responsibility of every disciple and not just the small group who have called themselves to go out and be evangelist team, the evangelism team. You go to many churches, even people that are not a, of a different denomination, and they have people they call evangelists. Because we have eased off the responsibility of making disciples, so we call ourselves believers, members of the congregation. Because if I say that's what I am, I don't feel the burden or the responsibility to go make disciples. Church, we can do it. I know that's a lot, and I know it can sometimes seem intimidating, but you can do it. You can do it. God will help you. You want to see the power of God like you've never seen it in your life? That you can testify about you seeing the power of God and not somebody telling you about the power of God? You go and you make disciples and you'll see God starting to do some miraculous things because you're doing what he told you to do. And you need God to help somebody get saved and become a disciple. You can't do it on your own. They can't do it on their own. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to be involved. And that's why we will see signs and wonders and miracles and demonstration if we go and reach the lost. The best church services are when hungry people want the Lord. And that's where you will always see. When there's no need, God don't have to move. God don't have to move when there's no need. And so if we don't see a lot of move of God, it means we don't have no need. And we get mad sometimes and say, man, what's nothing going on in church? Yeah, because nobody had no need. 
What was God supposed to do if you don't have no need? If you got a nice house, you drive a nice car, you got a good job, you got health and strength, you got decent money in the bank, and, and that's what you really want, what God got to do? But if you start making disciples, you will always need God. If you start making disciples, you will always need God. But if you just live a normal life, man, and, you know, money in the bank, health and strength and all that good stuff, you ain't going to need God. You come to church because it's right. And then it's not until you have a crisis in your life that you realize, oh, I need God. But if we make disciples, every day we wake up, we're going to say, man, God, I need you to work on so-and-so heart. Man, God, yesterday was a tough day. I tried to tell them something. They didn't get it. We just touched their mind that they can understand what I'm saying. Lord, every day you wake up when you're making a disciple, you're going to say, God, I need you. Because you're worried about them asking you a question that you don't have the answer to. So every day you're going to need God. But if you just live your nice life, you don't need God. Except for when you get sick. Or when your family member gets sick. Or when you need a new job. That's the only time you're going to need God. And we don't realize that's kind of how many of us have been living for God. I don't need you right now, Lord. Just chill till I need you. Let's stand. Just chill out a little bit till I need you, Lord. I don't need you right now. And then, you know, we, we, we get some stuff going on in the family. Then we say, Lord, I need you. And we don't realize we, we needed him before that situation. We just wasn't doing anything that showed us that we needed him. We need to make disciples. We're going to start our in-reach ministry. We're going to teach you how to teach Bible studies. These things are essential to your Christian walk and to have an impact on our lost world. We have to do it. People just don't get saved because, you know, they're supposed to get saved. They need to understand why they got saved. They need to know why they got baptized in Jesus' name. They need to understand why they have to repent. They, they need to understand who Jesus is. And all of these things are very important. So I want, why don't we bow our heads and we just pray before we go to ask God to help us to put that desire in us, that passion, that burden in us, to want to see people saved, to want to be used by God to make disciples of converts. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we have gone through 11 weeks of learning what discipleship is all about, understanding that you have established this method of making disciples to reach our lost world. That that's the method that you have taught from the beginning of the church age. And Lord, we pray that all that we have gone over, the words that have been spoken in our heart and our hearing, they will always come back to the forefront of our mind. That Lord, we will realize that you have called us to higher heights. That you've called us to a place, Lord God, where we have not experience, but Lord, you want us to experience it. You want us to be like you. And just like how you made disciples, you've called us to be like you and make disciples of men. Lord, we, we've seen people come into the house of God. And whether it was emotional or whether it was your touch, they repented of their sins. They got baptized in your name. They got filled with your spirit. And Lord, it didn't last. They didn't remain because they weren't discipled. Will you move on us as a church body? 
that we will be a church who will make disciples, Lord. That making disciples will be a priority in this church. It will be, oh God, the thing that drives us to see lost people saved, to see lost people's lives being transformed and them becoming disciples and in turn going to disciple others. Lord, I pray that you will cast out all fear that has come to prevent us from moving forward into being a disciple maker. I pray, almighty God, that you'll give us boldness by the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that we will walk in the authority of your word, Lord God, and the power of your name, Lord God. Declaring your will, Lord God, knowing, Lord Jesus, uh, that if we will go and make disciples, you will work with us, Lord. I pray that you'll use us individually. Use us collectively to do a great work for you, Lord God. That, Lord, people will begin to be saved and know who they are in you, Lord God. And know, Lord God, why they're saved. Understand how, oh God, to teach the word of God. Hear our cry tonight. Hear our petition tonight. Hear our request tonight, Lord God. Change this church, Lord God, to be a disciple-making people. A disciple-making church, Lord God. A people that will witness. A people, almighty God, that will be, oh God, one to go out and reach the lost. To minister in our community and around our surrounding areas and to the next town and the next town. Will you use us mightily, Lord God, and miraculously. I pray, Father, that you will work with us and hear our cry for your will to be done in us. We ask you these things in the wonderful name. In the mighty name, in the miraculous name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us all say amen. Don't forget, our picnic, church picnic, is Saturday the 8th of July. Uh, we have sign-up sheet out front. If you'd like to bring something to contribute, donation, we'd love for you to do that. If you can cook something, buy something, that would be great. But sign up to say what you're going to bring to the picnic. We're going to have a great time. Picnic start at 12 noon. Um, come on out. I will be out there with my famous, famous. As you know, nothing touched me. You want to taste the best jerk? Come on through. But sign up to bring something. I already bought my chicken and seasoned it up. Didn't I, Sister Cole? That's right. I seasoned up my jerk chicken already. Seasoned. Ready to go, tube. Yeah. Drop down in the freezer getting all seasoned up. So come on out, but make sure you sign up for what you're going to bring. Give to the building fund before you leave. Brother, Brother Kellyman. Prayer breakfast is this Saturday, 8 a.m. Come on out and pray. God bless you.